Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, everybody, here we go. We're live at Twin Peaks on the northeast side. We're in Castleton today. Thank you so much for joining us. I got to thank for the past two days, both Charlie Clifford of Wish TV Channel 8 and Kyle Unimark for sitting in for me because of what they did. Because they chose to value their time from 3 until 6 with this show. I got some baseboards painted in the bathroom. I painted the ceiling in the bathroom. I changed. I'm not happy about this. I, I, I went cheap on the toilet seat. That's problematic. Never, ever go cheap on the toilet seat. I don't know what I'm thinking and how much I value that. So I had changed out a toilet and a toilet seat. So I've done a lot in the bathroom in the past couple of days. I am ready to talk some sports with you, but no, Charlie and Kyle did an outstanding job. I cannot thank them enough for hanging out the past couple of days and uh, being in for me. I, I do, um, and listen, it's not like that I'm working a jackhammer. I'm not working nearly as hard as most of you out there. I'm not. Um, this is an enjoyment every day, um, but I rarely take days off. I do, just because certainly now we're in the football season, and even with a team that stinks right now, like the Colts, we're still in a football season. So we got a lot of stuff going on. And those two days made me feel pretty good to get going. So thank you very much to both Charlie and to Kyle for doing that on a Monday and a Tuesday. We're at Twin Peaks on the northeast side today. The ice cold Bud Light, if you will, is flowing. You can see it right here before me. I would love to see you up here. We've got a variety of things to talk about. I cannot wait. Purdue has got a football coach, and I think a lot of people were shocked. I think a lot of people were shocked. I think a lot of people had an offensive-minded lean on this. But Ryan Walters comes certainly with a pedigree that, as far as coordinators are, are concerned, at least the people of Purdue tell me, um, is unmasked. And I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to Mike Babinski and Purdue because it seemed like that this thing was pretty locked up. I remember before I bailed last week that I think it was me and Tommy D. And Tommy D just, oh, by the way, brought up his name. Just oh, by the way. Well, you know, uh, in terms of a guy that's non-offensive oriented here, 
and Tommy D went there. So I'll give a lot of love to Purdue that kept this thing under wraps. They must have had a small inner circle of those that were in the know because you really didn't hear about it until yesterday right before, and I mean right before, Purdue fired off the news. So they wanted to keep that quiet. They wanted an expedited process, and they got both, and they got their guy. They have a young and impressive guy. Um, I know Boilermaker fans, at least by the reaction yesterday, are going, oh, wait a minute, what about the offensive guy? Uh, we'll see where this goes right here. We'll see the type of hiring process to get somebody with him in West Lafayette that has that offensive lean because that is still, we know this in college football, that is so important. It is important to not only be top-notch, as top-notch as you can offensively, for you, for your sake, for the opportunity to win games, but also for that interest level. I mean, hell, let's just say it. Some teams, even if they don't win games, can keep us all interested offensively. So we'll see where that hire goes, and uh, that is something. I don't know if we're going to do Tommy D today. Maybe do Tommy D coming up tomorrow. But that happened as of yesterday, and I know that both Charlie and Kyle talked about that ad nauseum yesterday. Tell you what we do have from Purdue a little bit later on. I love talking to him, and we always go really long. But if I'm going to go to really long with somebody on the air, it's going to be Matt Painter. The number one in the nation, Purdue Boilermakers, and they've got the Indy Classic coming up, the inaugural Indy Classic coming up on Saturday where they take on Davidson. On the other part, it's uh, Michael Lewis and Ball State and Illinois State. But the head coach of the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers, Matt Painter, is scheduled to join us coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. And we always, we always talk about what's going on with his team, but he is so good at covering everything else. And believe me, we will cover everything else regarding his team, where they are right now. Because remember, a year ago, the number one ranking was short-lived. It was like, what, a minute. Number one, all right, number one. And then Ron Harper Jr. throws in a half-court shot, and, yeah, you're going down the path to no longer be number one. But to go where they were, and this is what a lot of college basketball, college football as well. College football, it's easier to point out. But Purdue was unranked and now worked all the way up through winning games and playing well and really having some impressive wins to get to where they are right now. And we'll see if they can hold on. Bob McKillop's son, Matt McKillop, I believe is his name, is the first-year head coach at Davidson, and you're going to see a battle between the lawyer brothers. You got Foster at Davidson, and you got Fletcher with Purdue. The one thing that stands out to me regarding Fletcher Lawyer, really that backcourt in general, is they are unafraid. That can be good. That can be bad. How often? Is it all the time where you want these guys to be fearless, or can fearless transition into carelessness at times because they're young? because they're still inexperienced, but they have been really good so far. We'll talk to Matt Painter about that. We'll talk to Matt Painter about Zach Eady and being able to play the amount of minutes that he has. You know, a lot of things impress me. A lot of things impress me about what they've done, I mean, across the board. But the one thing that does is watching his minutes jump and last check, it's probably even more than 29 per right now. But last check, he goes from 19 and a half a year ago to 29 and a half, at least last check now. 
And uh, it's one thing to be able to do that. It's another to be able to do that and still have wins, still have the conditioning that you're looking for. And clearly he has had that. It has been impressive the season he has had, not just from an offensive and defensive standpoint, but being able to log a lot more time on the court than he was, for example, a year ago when they were going back and forth between he and Travion Williams. Impressive. Matt Painter is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. The voice of the Colts, his name is Matt Taylor, is going to be here coming up at the bottom of the hour, too. All right, so I missed this yesterday, right? A couple of things. Um, one, Matt Ryan suggests that after a bye week, his arm is healthy, and his arm may be 100% healthy. It's just not 100% strong as it used to be. That's obvious. So the Colts have a 3% chance of getting into the postseason. And what is really, truly, and I know that's what everybody's banking on now, is being able to move up the ladder where they are right now at number seven as far as the, the spring NFL draft is concerned. You want to see them right now continue to rise up. But there's a bit of a quandary here. The quandary is this. If they continue to do what a lot of people want, which is rise up the draft ranks, be able to go out and get a quarterback that they really like, to be able to finally start over there. But if you continue to lose, that's going to look bad on the resume of the guy that you hired off the set of ESPN a month ago. You want him to look good. Jeff Saturday was asked yesterday, how are you feeling about this gig right now? I definitely want to be a part of the hiring process. I want to be interviewed. I like doing this. I would love to continue to do this. Jim Mercer would love to see him continue to do this. Again, you look back at this twofold. One is if you would have just waited, if you would have just waited, and this is probably more so the court of public opinion, and maybe they don't weigh that with you. Maybe they don't weigh your thoughts on it, but you have seen since that Vegas win, that first win for Jeff Saturday as a coach in the NFL, the whole interest and thought that he will and should sustain to be the head coach next year is shrinking. It is shrinking. The Colts fan, their public endorsing, their public backing is shrinking. So I brought up this comment. I don't know who else has. I just know I brought up this comment of you look back, and if you were to wait, you look back and you were to wait and then try to sell Jeff Saturday in an offseason because, again, all this was going to happen anyway. To me, this was just a blunder. To me, the way you look at it right now, you just let somebody else ride this out. If you truly do like the guy, you let somebody else on this staff write it out. Why? Because all of this, all of this was going to happen anyway. There was no getting away from it. All of it was going to happen. You were going to lose. You were going to look bad. I'm assuming you would still have given up 33 points in the third quarter. Check that in the fourth quarter in Dallas. I'm sure all of that would still happen. But you can start fresh, and then you can go about your business of selling somebody that, assuming here, you really want to sell. And that's Jeff Saturday. There's not a lot of Colts fan endorsement or reason to believe what they're doing is right right now. 
We could probably, and we'll do this, I'm sure, at a later date. I mean, if you guys wanted to start right now, you could. But you tell me what you feel good about with this group. You tell me what is good. What makes that transition to next year without you even thinking about it? That's dangerous territory because we did the same thing last year, and everything fall, it fell apart, all this stuff that we expected to be better. The offensive line, the individual play of the offensive line. You know, the transition they made from tight end. Oh, but wait a minute. You know, it's, it's okay. They got these young guys. You have Mo Alley stepping up. Yeah, Jack Doyle is not that big of a loss. You know, you saw Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan going to a new spot. What's funny about it, you know, Matt Ryan was asked yesterday if he still wants to play. He didn't sound as excited now as he did, if you remember, with me back when he was brought in. With me, he told me he felt that he could play four more years. He doesn't right now look like he can play four more games most of the time. But he told us, if you remember, back when they brought him in, that he felt he could play four more years. Give them, give a team four more years. That does not look the case right now. Not at all. So that's problematic, no doubt about it, because you really want to see this team lose because you want them to give themselves the best opportunity in the draft, the best opportunity to finally start new with a young quarterback, which they, is what, exactly what they have to do. The problem you're going to have is, at the same time, you're going to have a coach that the owner likes a great deal, a coach that really still wants to be, unless he's not telling anybody the truth, that still wants to be around, that's going to find it really hard from a fan base if this continues to circle the drain as I expected, as we expected to do, going to find it really hard to find that public support. Now, he doesn't necessarily need the public support, but it'd be nice. It'd be nice. And you know that the owner would like that. So that's something we can talk about. The other thing that stood out to me over the weekend, I haven't had the opportunity to talk with you about this yet, was the fact you watch Tennessee play. You watch Tennessee, and speaking of circling the drain, that's what they're doing. Was it three weeks ago or so, maybe even more than that, you had your offensive coordinator get pinched for DUI. Week before last, you go ahead and jettison your longtime general manager. You look the part of a team that is in absolute disarray. Even if you love Mike Vrabel for what Mike Vrabel is, if you love Vrabel as much as, for example, Jim Irsay does, you can't like what is going on there right now. Injuries, shortcomings, all this is starting to really pop up at a bad time. Now, what I think makes it more embarrassing for the Colts is, can you imagine if they would have given even a sniff of an opportunity here? Think about what Tennessee is trying to do. For God's sake, they're trying to reel back into this equation Jacksonville. That's how bad they're playing right now. And what is the absolute worst is the Colts, even in a season like this, even in a season where Tennessee can't find anything, can't do anything, is failing miserably in December as of right now, the Colts are too far out of whack to be able to catch them. It makes it even worse. There's only so much that going to a draft and having a high draft pick can do. 
There's only so much you can do to outweigh the disappointment you have because you've been told so many times about what to expect from this team. And even as you see the front runner for so many years, the team that the owner ideally would love his team to be like, would love his team to play like, you watch it circle the drain and your team can't even come close to catching it. Your team has no opportunity when that team and the Titans are giving everybody an opportunity. You can't take advantage of it because you've already screwed yourself. It is amazing. It really is. And, and to me, I said this with Tony Katz this morning, it's embarrassing. That part's really embarrassing. We laugh all the time about the AFC South. But when you start talking about Jacksonville again, Jacksonville with a sniff, and you watch what Tennessee has done, and the Colts with a 3% opportunity is here, and that's all you can muster. And most of us have absolutely moved on to what the draft and what the offseason is going to look like. That's amazingly bad. It's incredibly disappointing. And that's where we are right now. So, Colts fans, we can hit that if you like. NFL fans, we can talk about that. The Colts, of course, on a Saturday, 1 o'clock is the kick. Now, we'll take over, I believe, at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. right here. I checked that. 10 a.m. is when we start over on Hank FM. So, 97.1 Hank FM, we start coming up at 10 a.m. with what is going to be the Colts pregame huddle. And then we'll move forward into that game day, that game day afternoon on the road in Minnesota. And the Vikings, the Vikings have been up, and now they're down. They've been impressive, but then they haven't. I mean, they've been all over the map. Justin Jefferson is only the true guy, the true guy that has kind of set the pace for them, putting up incredible numbers. This is a team that doesn't play the run very well. This is a team that despite having, I don't even think it's an argument right now, the best wide receiver in the NFL, still can find a spot to struggle. This is a team coming up on Saturday that probably gives the Colts a chance, if they do have a chance. 10 a.m., Hank FM, we'll start with that coming up. That is on Saturday morning, a special Saturday edition of that with the Colts and the Vikings from Minneapolis. Pacers later on tonight against Golden State. Last check, no Clay Thompson. Of course, Golden State played last night in Milwaukee, if you watched any of that. So, Clay Thompson played. He does not play in back-to-backs. He won't play tonight. I believe Steph Curry is listed as a question mark. And is it Draymond Green that might be either probable, I think, somewhere in that category? What's that? Who's out now? Draymond's out, too. So, yeah, a lot of you that are going to go down there to want to see some of these guys, the one time you get a chance, are probably only going to see them in dress clothes. Last check, Steph Curry was questionable. And that was not a great performance last night for Golden State and Milwaukee. And meantime, the Pacers, last I checked in with them, you get that opportunity, the golden opportunity against Brooklyn over the weekend where Brooklyn had none of their main guys playing And they blow that. And then that game that was kind of a throwback to the 1990s, if you watch that on Monday. The Heat in town, Victor Oladipo for the first time. And, yeah, unfortunately, the Pacers could not muster enough offense. It was not a good night, regardless of talking about the plus-minus thing. The plus-minus thing drives me nuts. 
And I know that Rick Carlisle mentioned that after the game, the plus minus of Tyrese Halliburton. What that does, it cushions the blow because the dude is incredibly upset that he scored one point. If you have anywhere in the neighborhood of making a shot here or there, that game could have been one. Yeah, the plus minus, whatever. That was just not a good game. There haven't been a lot of them. Not a lot whatsoever, but that was not a good game for Halliburton. And unfortunately, the Pacers at home couldn't take advantage. And they'll get Golden State. Golden State coming up later on tonight right here. We've got some college hoop to talk about as well. IU and Kansas coming up this weekend. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, you get Purdue and Davidson as well. The IU-Kansas game is going to be interesting. And I was sitting and watching IU and Arizona. Yeah, I went and watched CG and Martinsville play. And I, yeah, the girls game last night was pretty ugly from what you hear. But I went to watch... CG and Martinsville play the fellas on Saturday. And then we went over to Trident True afterwards, and I watched the second half of IU and Arizona. It just seems like a lot of the same IU problems. A lot of the same shooting issues. And Arizona's a good team. Don't get me wrong. Good backcourt. Good, strong bigs. Tommy Lloyd is a good coach. You just don't sit next to Mark Few all those years and not learn a lot of things. But that, to me, was more disappointing than it was, hey, you know what? At least they hung in. At least they kept trying. At some point, you got to get past that. And Kansas is going to be a good opportunity to change a lot of those thoughts around. Without Hood Shafino, there is no doubt that is a big deal. But that was disappointing for IU. No doubt about that on uh, on Saturday night. Hey, by the way, speaking of last night, if you guys were at home watching the 30 for 30, Jeanette Lee, the incredible billiards player who used to live around here, I think for a number of years, maybe for a decade or so. She lived in Mooresville, spent a lot of time in and around Indy, but a 30 for 30 hour long last night on ESPN debuted with uh, Jeanette Lee. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And she is going through a lot Medically speaking, health-wise, right now, we wish her the best, but that was incredibly emotional. And it certainly was one of the better 30 for 30s. I would advise you, if you missed it last night, to catch up with it. It's an hour long, and it's on the Black Widow, Jeanette Lee. And you know, it's funny, back when I first started, I first started on the other station, we did a lot of shows at a place called Chalkies. And Chalkies was had just a number, it was right, not too far from where I sit right now, had a number of pool tables and a couple of different times she like showed up and she was super cool. And it sucks to see what she's going through health-wise right now. But it is exactly what you want in a 30 for 30. Gets down to it and it's incredibly emotional and it is very enjoyable for an hour. So check that out, that 30 for 30 if you get the opportunity. We are at Twin Peaks, 82nd and I-69. I'd love to see you here. We got the ice cold Bud Light flowing too. We got later on this week, finally after two weeks in an absence, it's me and Brent Halverson, our Larceny Bourbon Locks and our Luna Azul Tequila Shots coming at you. That is tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be also a tandem. We're going to be doing the Tavern Tour stop. Us and Tommy S. tomorrow at Coach's Tavern tomorrow. The Blue Chaparral with Bud Light on a Blue Friday with Chargers Colts tickets coming up on Friday. That is a southeast side destination you will not want to miss. Promise you that. 
But no, big week. Love to see you out. Love to see you here. Love to see you with us coming up tomorrow and on Friday as well. All right. Before I hit a break, Kyle, you to Mark. How'd everything go? You guys sounded fantastic. I actually got in the lounge on Monday a little bit. Did you guys see me lurking in there? I saw you in there, yeah. Good times. Everything go okay? Yeah, everything went really well. Charlie was good. Good shows. Lots of talk about. Uh, a lot of breaking news between T.Y. and Purdue hiring a new head coach. Purdue number one in basketball. There's a lot of good uh, sports news to talk about when there was no Colts game. I saw Ian Rappaport say that T.Y. had some options. Some other options that he turned down. You think the Colts would have been one of those options that he turned down? No way. I don't either. But that was Ian Rappaport suggesting that T.Y. Hilton had other options. Doesn't this kind of seem like, and I, I hope for his sake, he gets some time and can produce a little bit. You think it's one of these situations, though, that we're going to make more out of it conversationally than what ends up going into it production-wise for him in Dallas? They have, they have a lot of weapons, and certainly they could use him, but don't you think we probably are going to end up talking about this more than what actually production-wise on the field it represents? You think? That's kind of what I was thinking. Like it's a little bit more than you know, just adding, in case you need something, somebody that hadn't played all year. I just think there's a lot to ask for somebody. And I hope that he does. I hope that he does. You want to see the guy go out, get an opportunity. Get an opportunity to get into the postseason, to win some playoff games. Dallas going to have a tough road in the NFC. But get that opportunity. So good for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, we'll talk about that, too, if you like. Yeah, a lot of news and a lot of breaking news. By the way, the other semifinal, France and Morocco going on right now in the 66 minutes with the uh, defending champion, World Cup champion, France up 1-0 over Morocco. Morocco has been the story so far, to say the least. But down a goal right now in the 66 minutes as they play, and uh, Sunday is going to be the uh, final. Argentina already in and awaiting the winner of France and Morocco going on right now. Hey, we're at Twin Peaks. We're in Castleton. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd love to see you out here again. We've got Matt Taylor coming up at the bottom of the hour. He's going to join us, the voice of the Colts. Top of the 4 o'clock hour, it's going to be Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, the number one ranked Boilermakers in College basketball and across the landscape, we'll be talking to Matt about a variety of things, his team included, but a lot of other stuff with Matt, who joins us at four. And Kevin Bowen's going to be here, the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings. That is from 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin's going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Meantime, 239-1070. If you guys want to dial us up, you certainly can. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, we are up and running right here as well. If you want to get the stream, the app, HD radio, it all works. And we sound fantastic on what is going to be a busy Wednesday, too. Again, Golden State in town, the Warriors and the Pacers coming up later on tonight right here. A little bit of conversation regarding that as well. Coming up, it's 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Northeast side, Castleton. We're at Twin Peaks. Thank you so much for joining us. Get a shout out to Charlie Clifford and to Kyle for hanging and doing the past 48 hours worth of show for me. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, there's Gritty in the house. I missed, I listen, I missed my jackassery in there too. I tried to spread a little bit of jackassery inside the lounge on Monday. I, I kind of whiffed on it yesterday, but I tried to do it on Monday. I got in there and I got with some folks, had a little conversation going back and forth. It was a hell of a time on Monday. So if, if you're struggling at times, with um, a signal or, you know, the app or whatever. I don't, you shouldn't, but I'm just giving you an option here. And the lounge via YouTube Live is a great option. Um, it's a great, well, I mean, I say you can see me and I'm using that. I'm trying to sell that as being great. Maybe not. But you can see, like, video, right? You can hear, right, voice. I have way too many paint fumes yesterday, as you can tell. And I'm going to say that was accidentally done. I'm not quite sure if it was. Or, or you can participate, and that's where it's different. You can get in there with these folks and participate in the show, which is outstanding. So we'd love to see you inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Outstanding time. But that is just kind of the, the, the kicker. There are ways that you can get, whether you're 93.5107.5, the stream, the app, you got HD radio in your car, but... A really fun way. And you will see some jackassery. And listen, I'll raise my hand. I'm the one that's participating. A lot of jackassery in there. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Bowen in the five. Matt Painter, head coach of the Boilermakers. Top of the hour. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is back and good to go. The stretch run of the season. The voice of the Colts gets to go to Minneapolis coming up this weekend for a Saturday afternoon affair with the Vikings. The voice of the Colts. Matt Taylor, again, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? You've been in that stadium before, right? Yeah, I've been there twice, actually. We played there, I think, 2016, late in the season, kind of about this same time of the year, in fact, and then last year in the preseason. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty spectacular. You know, last year, or last week, I should say, in, in Dallas was great. This week in Minnesota, another great stadium, so... Um, pretty, pretty cool. The, like the modern, the modern bar has been set by these stadiums that are going to be opening up, uh, or have opened up here as of late. And then Tennessee is going to get a new one. I'm sure that'll be yeah. spectacular as well. So yeah, it's pretty cool. These new stadiums, what they offer and the sight lines and all the amenities. Well, and then you get the, uh, what is it? Skull, skull, not skull, skulls of tobacco. But skull, is that what they do? They do that really loud and it's obnoxious and it sucks? That's what they do well, up there? I, yeah, it's, it's, it's S-K-O-L, so however you pronounce that. I think it's, Skull, right? Skull. Yeah I'm, from, yeah. I get a, I'm from southern Indiana. I can say skull and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, they're, not, right. they're not going to Speedway and getting a can of skull. I can, say, I can say hawking and get away with it, too, if I wanted to. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, so they uh, do that and they've got the uh, – the, the yaller horn or the Viking horn and the Viking chant that they do, you know, after big plays and third downs and, and things like that. So it, I remember last year. Now, I, I think I kind of chalk this up to, 
you know, football's back and crowds are back after the, the 2020 season. But we played there last year in the preseason, like I said, like on a Saturday night. I think it was their first home preseason game. And I think the place was sold out. And I think people were just, you know, like I said, just chomping at the bit to, you know, go back and see football and, and be at a football game and experience it. But it was loud. It was raucous. And, you know, the decibel level there with, uh, you know, the, the, the PA system was pretty high. So I, I just remember it being a really good crowd and a really good environment. Yeah, well, that's what you get coming up on Saturday afternoon. That's a 1 o'clock start, 10 a.m. Your coverage begins uh, with us on the uh, Colts pregame huddle on 97.1 Hank FM. All right, what have you gathered from yesterday? I know that everything's officially underway. Everything's going back to business now, doing uh, practice-wise. What, um, what are you looking for as far as this matchup is concerned on Saturday? Yeah, I think everybody's just sort of back and renewed and, and energized and, and just looking at these final four games. And obviously, you know, mathematically, it's going to be really difficult to make the playoffs. I mean, we all know that. But I think what the Colts are trying to do in these last four games is just prove to themselves and, and prove to the fan base that, you know, through 13 games, 4-8-1, and one, they're just not the team that they've been through 13 games. Now, you know, the other side of that is, well, you know, 13 games, that's 75% of the season. You know, you, you are – sort of who you are at that point. And, and while that's true, I think the Colts are looking at these final four games, the last quarter of the season, trying to prove some people wrong that if, if we just play clean football, if we just stop turning the football over at the rate that we have, you know, we can be a good football team. I mean, this is the rhetorical question that we've been asking, you know, for basically, you know, better part of, of half the season. I mean, the Colts have 26 turnovers on the season. Where would they be? How, how many more wins would they have if that number was just in half, right? If they just had 13 instead of 26, you know, would they be at, at seven wins or eight wins? And if, if that's the case, then they're right there in the thick of it, obviously, in the AFC South and you know, a wild card team uh, inside the AFC trying to get one of those top seven spots. So I think that's the objective here in those, these last couple of games. And, you know, guys inside the locker room, they don't give a rip about – you know, draft order and and uh, things like that because, you know, I mean, the, the, their their tape is their resume. That's who they are in the NFL. So if you just say, well, you know, we're we're however many games under 500, we're however many games out of the playoffs. You know, I, I can just go ahead and loaf and you know sit out these games or you know not take it as serious and or you know just go at at 85 percent speed and that's okay. Everybody watching the tape will understand that. No, man, like that's that's who you are if you do that and everybody around the nfl understands that and and uh you know so so teams also recognize that if if you're going to quit on the colts you're going to quit on me right you're going to quit on my team so why should i you know bring you back or why should i re-sign you in free agency so from that standpoint i think guys are still 100 percent locked in and um so that that's going to make these these last four games pretty interesting when you balance you know trying to to win, but also trying to, you know, build some momentum and some chemistry going into the offseason. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I think, to me, what adds to the suck about this is that Tennessee is, like, backpedaling in December at a feverish pace right now. And you just – you can bring up the what-ifs. I mean, what if here or there – 
you do something right, you do something better, you get a win, and we're talking about something completely different right now because Tennessee, Tennessee, normally you start to hit a bit of a stride with a Vrabel team right now. Mm -hmm. These guys are moonwalking like stinking crazy going into middle of December. Right. I mean, what are they on their their first three-game losing skid since 2018? And and honestly, like, I think they've done a lot of this to themselves, you know, just yeah. on the outside looking in. I mean, not being there every day, right, it's easy for me to say. But, I mean, firing the general manager sort of out of nowhere. I mean, he's got a, you know, a really good record as a GM and has, you know, made the playoffs consistently there. And so, you know, for, for whatever, you know, I don't know what happened, but they're just like, you know, good, good, just not good enough. We want to be great. But in the meantime, you know, the, the team has sort of hit a slide and they're not playing good football and they're not able to run the football as effectively as they want to with Derrick Henry. So, yeah, it just if you're, if you're the Colts, it's just, yeah, that, that's what makes it even more, you know, it's, it's doubly frustrating because, you know, if you just go back to the Commanders game or the Pittsburgh game where you're not able to close that game out in the fourth quarter or the Philadelphia game where you've got them on the ropes, you know, up by 10 points in the fourth quarter, not able to close those games out. You know, like, you'd be right there. I mean, this would be a really competitive race with four games to go with Tennessee, and that still can happen. I mean, Tennessee's got four games left against some really good teams. So, I mean, you never know in the NFL. I mean, you never say never until the math just tells you that it's not possible. Um, but, yeah, that if, if had the Colts been able to just win a handful more games where they had the opportunity right there, and not being able to kind of finish the deal and close the door, you know, this would be a really interesting race to win the AFC South for the first time since 2014 with four games to play. Yeah, they're trying their damnedest to let Jacksonville get in on this thing too, which is incredible. I mean, I know a lot of people, and you mentioned the players aren't, I understand that, but a lot of people – I've kind of focused their attention on, you know, hopefully getting a younger quarterback and, and draft intensive in this case uh, for the fan base right now. But, man, can you imagine just a game here and there? You know, that yeah. Commanders game, for example. It's a couple here or there. What we might be talking about right now because of the way Tennessee is playing. It's, um, it, it, to me, it just makes it worse. It just makes it a lot worse. Yeah, it, it does, and, and it, it is frustrating. And, and trust me, I mean, every game is so magnified in the NFL. I mean, we've talked about this so many times in the past. This isn't like the NBA or Major League Baseball. You only get 17 opportunities, so they all have huge significance. So you go all the way back to, you know, week one, right? I mean, how many plays could, could you have made in, in the first couple of quarters uh, against Houston where that game's not a tie, and, and there's your fifth win, and then, the Commanders games, there's that. That's your sixth win, and the Philly games, seven wins. I mean, I hate to do this. This is an this is an excruciating exercise, but you know, I think it also goes to show that this is a a team that's four eight and one, and it's that old Bill Parcells line. You know, you are what your record says you are. But I think we can all agree that this team is so much better than four eight and one. But the problem is, is that they have hurt themselves so many times. And they have let the opposition take advantage of those mistakes so many times. And that's just sort of the story of the season. Um, you know, hopefully that, 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 that narrative sort of gets replaced in these last four. But right now, if you're writing the book on the Colts in 2022, it's, it's turnovers, 
It's offensive line not being able to live up to their expectations. And it's a defense that's been pretty, pretty good, but obviously not in that elite category or, you know, that, that complete shutdown category where they've got, you know, if you're down a score or two in the fourth quarter against the Colts, you got no chance. I mean, that just hasn't been able to, that just hasn't been the case this year with the Colts letting teams off the hook. So that's sort of the next step for that unit in these, in this last month of the season. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it has been a, a very frustrating season, excruciating season on trying to play the, all the what ifs on what this season could have been. But I think all of the, the self harm the Colts did to themselves has certainly contributed to where they're at right now. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, before I let you go, so I huffed paint in the bathroom the past couple of days for my whole bye week getting off some time to myself. And, uh, bought, I bought and installed a new toilet seat, and I, I, I skimped on it. I'll never do that again. You, do you think somebody like me that values the toilet seat as much as I do would find the top of the top of the line? And clearly I didn't. So I did those things to help out my bathroom what did you do in your time off as far as the bye week was concerned? Oh, man, good for you. Um, yeah, I, yes. I, spent, I spent a lot of time just catching up on life. You know, things around the house that I've sort of, you know, metaphorically swept under the rug for four and a half months because of the busy nature of the season. So catching up on housework and running errands. We had a birthday party for my six-year-old now. So that nice. was fun. We got we got to see Santa on Saturday. Took my wife out for her birthday on Friday night. So it was a it was a busy off week, but kind of a it was busy in a different way, if you will. But you should have called me. I could have helped you paint the bathroom because you know I painted oh, houses and I I painted yeah. I painted houses for like eight years between high school and college. That's what I did for a summer job. So I, I shut the door. Thing, I think I, I got stoned in there. An hour. Yeah, I, I shut the door. I think I was kind of overtaken by the fumes and got a little bit stoned in there. I think. <laughs> now, did you do did you do a primer and then two coats, or did you just go up there and put one coat? Oh, on? I just I went up there with that ceiling paint, like yeah. uh, I mean, I, just, I went up there like a man possessed with ceiling paint. I just went up with that. <laughs> I don't uh, see. Gotta... I'm I'm such a good painter of the ceiling. I don't even need to put down. Like plastic, <laughs> I put some frog tape up, and I'm all good, brother. It's yeah. me. You got to so. spackle. You got to you got to spackle. You got to caulk, man. You got to get those smooth surfaces. Now you got to do some sanding. Yeah, I'll yes. come over there and check your work. You got it. Well, I'm also up next. Is I'm going to put backsplashes on. How about that? Yeah. Give me, give me some grout. A good recipe for grout, and I'm on it. Backsplash Ooh, time, like- baby. You're like Bob Vila, man. That's impressive. This old house with JMV. You know what I do? It's funny. I like go in there for like 30 minutes and do some stuff and then go out and watch TV for about 50 minutes and then go back in for another 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm not I'm not surprised that is your productivity chart. <laughs> oh man, I go, yeah, wait a minute. There's something good on right now. Hey, there's some nudity on it. Hold on a second. The paint can wait. Yeah, I didn't see this. Uh, well, anyway, I know 10 a.m. with us, we're going to lead you into you and Rick and Lara up in Minneapolis on Countdown to Kickoff. 10 a.m., we all get that started on 97.1 Hank FM coming up on Saturday morning, correct? Correct. Actually, yeah, that's, that's all correct. But uh, unfortunately, Rick is, is feeling under the weather, 
Um, mm. And he's he's not going to be able to make the trip, so we're really bummed about that. So no Rick in, in Minnesota, so Joe Wright is going to fill in, make the trip, and okay. uh, be in the booth with me on, on Saturday doing some color work. So, um, you know, love, love Rick, love working with Joe as well. I mean, Joe's done the last couple of preseasons with me in the booth, so it's not going to be foreign. He'll do a great job. But, yeah, Rick not feeling well, so we wish him – the best on the men in terms of getting over the illness that's going around town now. I got it. I, I'll, I'll give him a ring, too. I didn't know that he was illing a little bit. So Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, it's okay that you asked Joe Wrights and not me. I won't take offense. <laughs> well, we, we want to talk about the game and not Cinemax. That's the problem. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> that game gets a little bit out of line and I'm going to start talking about the Emmanuel series like in the second yeah. quarter or something. So, yeah. You're going to give I us can a understand. full diagnosis. Full diagnosis on the cheerleaders, right? Yeah, Pete Ward would be doing a face palm somewhere up in that stadium. I'm sure. <laughs> doing that. Maybe in the maybe in that that third preseason game, one of these. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, buddy, I appreciate that. We'll talk again soon, man. Thanks, Matt. All right, man. Be well. It's uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Quick shout out to Rick Venturi too. I did not know he was ill in a little bit right here. So good, uh, Rick. We're uh, thinking about you, buddy, as always. Joe Wright's in the booth for a bit under the weather. Rick Venturi coming up on Saturday, 10 a.m. This is uh, going to be the Colts pregame huddle uh, with me and Gorman and Bill Brooks. And we'll lead you up to countdown to kickoff coming up on Saturday. Remember, that kick is at 1 o'clock. Twin Peaks, Castleton. Quick break. We'll come back. You will not want to miss Matt Taylor. Check that. Matt Taylor, you did not miss just now. You will not want to miss Matt Painter coming up at the top of the hour. Number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers in college basketball. Their head coach joins us coming up in less than 10 minutes. 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 82nd, I-69, Twin Peaks. Thank you for joining us. Uh, France. And Argentina, your Sunday World Cup final matchup. France disposes of the Cinderella story that was Morocco a little bit earlier today. Of course, Argentina moving on big time over Croatia yesterday. We got that going on. We got the Pacers Warriors later on tonight. We're going to dive into everything. Back to the Colts, back to a little college hoop, uh, even beyond what we're going to talk about right now with our next guest via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always welcome in, especially when the squad is the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers right now in college hoop. Their head coach is Matt Painter. Again, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Matt, thanks for the time. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got a big one coming up this weekend, the inaugural Indy Classic down at Gambridge Fieldhouse. I want to get to your team and where they are right now in the season to date in a second, but uh, how good does it feel to get you and your guys at Gambridge Fieldhouse for a neutral side game? Well, obviously, you know, we had, um, you know, the setup before, which was really ideal. That was great for us and, and great for the state of Indiana. And it's too bad that it went away. Um, but, you know, we want to keep, you know, trying to play in Indianapolis. It's hard because now, you know, like this is, you know, are, are we going to be able to, 
keep things going with different teams coming in each year and doing different things. And so we're looking at a lot of different options and stuff. But, you know, we um, thought this was great. Obviously, we have played Davidson in Indianapolis before. And now being able to play this game with Fletcher and Foster Lawyer being able to play each other was pretty cool. Yeah, Was that part of it, a little bit of it, the the intrigue bit, of brother-on-brother yeah. brother there? Yeah, you're trying to, you know – get some help you got a third party in there and so like you're trying to just you know get quality opponents playing indianapolis and then when that kind of came up you know organically we jumped on it yeah and sports corp doing stuff around here is always really good i mean you can count on something being classic as the indy classic will be saturday yeah no doubt no doubt about it they've done a great job that's up. Matt Painter joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline again. Davidson and Purdue coming up on Saturday. Well, um, I, I'm going to go back to Nebraska, if you don't mind, too, because you talked about it after the game. Um, it, it's tough to shoot the ball like that and still get away with the win. That was one of those games, Matt, where I think you're going to look back and go, wow, this was a signature moment in our season because of the way that you survived, got a win, and then got the hell out of Dodge. I mean, that's going to make yeah. it extra special. Yeah, no question. We missed a lot of shots. We were in really good position. Our concentration wasn't very good um, in the second half, and even in overtime, we had some, um, you know, just some plays that you like to have back, and you know, missing layups, missing front end of one and ones, wide open threes. But like, we couldn't get a rebound there at the end of the game. They had like four offensive rebounds in one possession, which you could call the most crucial, you know, possession of the game, and we still were able to get the ball back. But there's a lot of learning moments there where we lose our concentration, we don't focus, um, that now we can get better from and, and still win the game. We were very, very fortunate to win that game. You know, I want to get back to that second final possession you're talking about, and it seemed like that they had six legitimate <laughs> chances. And I don't know, <laughs> you, yeah. you and I both come from the same line of what we love growing up in basketball. The only thing that I could think about was when Moses Malone used to, like, put it up short purposely <laughs> to pad his rebound stats. I mean, yeah. that was an incredible, and I mean an incredible uh, well, the, series yeah, the right there. the first shot of it was off the side of the backboard. So, yeah. like, you can't blame guys when that you know that kind of squids out of there and you know and like they get the ball from that after it hits it ricochets off the corner of the backboard but then after that like oh they had one bad miss but the other ones they were just quicker to the basketball you got to be able to get the basketball in that possession we don't match up and transition one time late um they get a wide open shot um our one guy doesn't want to rotate because he's on tamanagi and he's played so well and so we stay home on that, which I totally understood. But we just, we we just had some plays where it was just total lack of concentration, and um, we just have to do a better job. You understand about the missed shots. A lot of people, you know, they overreact to missed shots. When your execution's pretty good, you get what you want. You get an open shot, and you miss it. Nobody's trying to miss a shot. You know, you're cool with that. You just got to keep grinding and keep defending and playing hard and figure out a way to win the game. Yeah, it reminded me of that Florida State game in a sense where guys from Nebraska, they they started out, you know, shooting and they continued to shoot it well. Those are the games that concern me uh, where a team that maybe hasn't played up to what it thought it was going to be. Florida State was kind of like that. They just kept making shots and shots that maybe wouldn't be what they normally would make. I think it's even tougher to survive a team that's kind of zoned up as they were shooting the basketball uh especially in that second half to keep pace with you guys yeah in those games like you would rather have it that way because you're more open than people just staying with shooters and stuff like that but then after you miss a handful of them you know i always compare it to star wars and and the walls coming in like you know you just start to feel it and i'm i'm big on those guys in, in terms of if they pass up open shots 
you know, we're going to say something like, you've got to take your open shots. We're not putting anybody out there that can't shoot. You know, take your open rhythm shots and just be process-based. Don't be results-based. Fans are results-based. Be process-based. Do things the right way. Stick with it because the percentage is set. It's going to work out. It's uh, Matt Painter with us. You guys this week voted number one in the nation. Um, what do you tell your guys uh, about that, about some of the, the notoriety and the pats on the back they get? And yeah. I know that was that way a year ago. It was short-lived. But what do you tell sure. your guys in a situation like this? Well, that's what one of our guys talked about when we, we found out yesterday at the end of practice. You know, he talked about how short-lived it was and how it was kind of at a remote emotional roller coaster and. You know, there's no doubt there's a burden there. Um, you know, Tom Izzo texted me the other day and said, you know, it's definitely a burden, but it's a good burden. You know, it's something yeah. you want. It's not something that, like, hey, man, this is going to be tough for us. It's like, no, this is something you should embrace. But also, you know, whatever got you to those positions, it's like a game, right? You're up 14 with 14 minutes to go. Like, whatever got you to that point, you want to continue to do that on both ends of the court. Um, well, whatever has gotten us to this point, we have to be able to continue to do that and just keep playing to our strengths, but keep getting better. And uh, they they get that, but it's it's also something that you have to go through and and be able to, you know, be productive on our end and, and do everything in our power to put ourselves in position to win. He is Matt Painter, the head coach of the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers. Boilermakers Davidson, the inaugural Indy Classic coming up on Saturday. Zach Eady, we talked right before the start of the season, and we'll get into a couple of things here, but he goes from a year ago, I believe, playing an average of 19.5 per game to where um, even before that Nebraska game, it was around, I don't know, 4 or 29 or somewhere in that neighborhood. Did you think right. he was going to have that, that type of conditioning in him to be able to withstand and play at a high level that longer or that much longer than he did, for example, a year ago? Yeah, without question. You know, he didn't play the minutes that he did before. When he first got here, we got into some real tough matchups with him. In his second year, obviously, him and Travion were there in the first year with him. And then the second year, then obviously, those guys just kind of split in time because of their value and they can only play the you know that position. So, um, you know, he's never really had that issue. You know, he's kind of working into things with this being a sixth year of organized basketball. And I try to compare that. I played in organized basketball when I was five years old. So, like, you know, my six years when I was 11. And, like, you know, yeah. if you just keep that in perspective, like, he's on the come. Like, he's going to get even better. He's playing harder. Um, he understands things better. He's a better passer. Um, but he gives a good effort. He's always had pretty good stamina. And, and so now he's just getting the opportunity to kind of grow it. It's tough for me because the people in his position, Caleb First, Trey Kaufman, Mason Gillis, they're all really good players. So everybody's like, oh, man, he gets 30 minutes. He gets to play. And now those guys got to split 50 minutes somehow. And no matter what we do, one person's always out, left out in the cold. Now with Mason being out, we actually finished the game small the other night because of their ability to move and shoot the basketball was giving us some issues. So, um, you know, we, we can go a lot of different ways. But, you know, when, when someone's playing that well and rebounding the basketball that well and doing all the little things and playing without fouling, it's really hard to take him out of the game. You know, obviously he's played really well here in the first 10 games. You know, also we talked about the whistle that he has received in the past compared to what right. we have seen so far. I'm assuming everybody's happy with that whistle to this point, right? Yeah, you still have moments. Like, there's still things that happen in the game. Like, he made a pass in the Nebraska game, and, like, there's a turnover, and you go back, and they, you know, they hit him on the arm, and that's why the ball, you know, dies halfway. There, there's still some they, – they face-boxed out a couple times in Nebraska. They didn't get called. They face-boxed out a couple times. They did get called. 
Um, I'm not going to complain about anything because we got a very generous call at the end of that yeah. Nebraska game. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. But as you go back and you look through and you watch the whole game, like I always say that to our players, don't magnify the last play. Like don't magnify play. You're going to get a call here and there. You're going to get one that goes against you. It's just it's the way it is. It's everything that happens throughout the course of the game. Value every possession throughout the game and you'll definitely put yourself in a better spot. Hey, Matt, when was the last time you were happy with an anticipation whistle like that? (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, It's been a while. So he gets into, like, different situations because of his size. Like, what I don't like about it, I don't like how rules are set up. It's like the the flop on on the guy taking a charge. It's like I, I don't like the rule because coaches tell players to take a charge. So you got somebody who's trying to do something, which is a basketball play, then they get a flop call for it. And, it, and it's really hard. Well, then they got the cylinder call. And so, like, now they'll come out or someone will elbow somebody in the head. They'll go to the monitor. And they'll be like, ah, well, he was in his cylinder first. Well, somebody's in Zach Eady's cylinder about 40 to 50 times during the game. So I, I don't like the call because you can't call it every time. If you're going to put a rule in that says, okay, when this happens, you know, we're going to call this, you can't be selective with that. You know, what, what's a foul in the first minute? It's a foul in the last minute. And they really get up into a space because they have to. And you understand that. But then you can't have this, you know, this cylinder rule that you keep calling because people just crowd him and take up a space. Um, so we, we got to get some some better consistency in what we're doing. How often do you have to calm down the fearless freshman you have in your backcourt? Um, you know, they're just going through some things. You know, that they've been put. Uh, well, they've put themselves in great positions. Like they've earned everything that they've gotten. Um, nothing's handed to them. And, uh, you know, Braden learning to play with the shot clock a little bit and kind of understanding different scenarios because he has the ball in his hand so much. Um, they're both really confident. So sometimes, like, they'll go make a play, and you'd be like, man, they've been struggling a little bit here. Then they'll go make a great play. And, uh, you know, that's something you just don't see for young guys. You normally see more doubt. But there's a lot of examples, a lot of different scenarios that have popped up um, that, you know, you just learn from. And as you go on, there's nothing like game experience. And, uh, you know, they're learning on the fly a little bit. But both of them are very competitive, very intelligent. Um, They both play to win. Um, Both are selfless. So they have a lot of the same qualities um, as as players and people. Yeah, and you look at – it seems like that that Fletcher steps into one. I mean, he's always going to step into it with confidence. Don't get me wrong. But even more so at that level, you have seen that, I think, evolve Mm -hmm. over the early portion of the season. And and Braden, I mean, you can't slow him down. He just – he goes at it about as full throttle as as anybody can, I think. Yeah, you know, he's that, you know, quintessential point guard. And so at times with those guys that are that way that can see so much – Sometimes they forget that they're a threat, too. So really trying to encourage him to take his shots, look for his pull-up, get his catch-and-shoot threes, still attack the rim looking for his, too, not just always attacking the rim looking for other people. But he does such a good job of setting people up and and really whipping that ball around. Fletch is a good passer also. um, Doesn't quite have the same jets where he gets by people as much as Braden. And then Ethan Morton can really pass the basketball. Zach's a very selfless player, and he'll pass it out of the post. So anytime you do that and people say, hey, man, I really like your team, that just means they play hard and they pass the basketball. Fans love seeing people share the basketball and play the game the right way. It's uh, Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, the inaugural Indy Classics coming up on Saturday. Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I want to get to Davidson with you in that matchup in just a second. But you, you talked about this. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. Uh, is, is it uh, tough to, to give out clock 
to to guys that you know that deserve it, but maybe because of the matchup, they're not getting as much as they thought? Or is everybody seemingly yeah. happy when you're playing at the level of collegiate basketball in which you guys presently are? No, you're never completely happy, you know, and I, and, and and rightfully so. Like I don't want people that you know play ten minutes a game to like. Like to be like, okay, I'm just going to play 10 minutes and that's cool. You know, I want them to fight every single day in practice and try to put themselves in a better position, but also be professional about it. I think that's where you've got to get young people to understand that. Like, Hey, like you got some people in front of you here. Now you could help yourself. You know, if you get mad or you blame people, you do different things. And that's what is so important for the people around a player. If the people around a player are encouraging them to be positive, listen to coaches, keep practicing hard, put in extra time, keep your nose clean, all those good things, you know, you're really helping that person. If you're telling them that, you know, they're, they're, they're getting screwed over, you know, there's a problem, like he doesn't like you, like, you know, you just get into the, the whole stuff that young people kind of go through with people that, that have never been a part of it. It's impossible for people to speak on something when they're not here. And so even though if you might know basketball, I always say that just because you have the ESPN package doesn't make you a genius. Right. You know, you're not, you're not there every single day for two to three hours. You, you don't see what's going on. And once the season starts, like you've been competing June, July, August, September, October, November, like, you know, you've, you know, you've put in a lot of time when the games start, it's really hard because the practices aren't as long. They're not as hard. Um, you're getting ready for the next opponent. You want to be fresh for those games, and you can't move the needle as much. you got to move the needle when you get those opportunities to play that 10, 12 minutes. Now you play well in your role. Now you help yourself, and then you you know, you know get more minutes, and now you understand what's going on. So the knowledge is so important. Like if you got to know what you're doing. And well, if, you have, if you've been through it before and you don't quite know what you're doing – now you worry about that as a coach. When you haven't been through it and you're young, it's a little different because now you got to just keep learning, you got to keep growing. But once you kind of get some things figured out, you can't go backwards. You know, we, we can't relearn this. We took the class, we mastered the class. We we can't look at it six months later when the new season starts. Like you know, you've never seen the material before. You got to know what the hell's going on. And we got a lot of knowledgeable guys. We got a lot of guys that have been selfless. They've really helped us. But we also got some guys on our bench that are eager, that want to prove themselves. And I really like that. Well, and I was curious about this because, you know, we see the game situations. But where is more of your gauge of trying to, to figure out who is deserving of, of playing time of clock? Is it in the practice time that you see where we don't or game time situations that we see? It's, it's both. It's both. There's some people think it's one or the other, but it's, it's just the totality of, you know, it, and you got to have a good way about you. You know, you got to have a competitive spirit about you. You have to have a good attitude. You're just going to help your team that way. And the guys that do that, that come off the bench, that keep that attitude, that are ready and free, because they want to start and play 30 minutes. Like, you know, and that's hard, especially when young people, you know, start over here, or they play more than you do. That's a real hard thing to swallow. Um, but you have to be able to do it. Like, and I, and I pride myself in being fair. And then some guys, like, you get to that point and, like, then you might not like your role. And that's hard. I think you see a lot of that with the, the transfer portal. A lot of kids aren't transferring to win. A lot of kids are transferring for the role that they want. Well, is that the role that you want and you're going to win with that role? And sometimes it's relative. Like someone says, man, if you would just give me a chance, I would do X, Y, and Z. And you're saying, oh, so I should play you instead of Zach Eady. I should play you instead of Jay Nivey. Should play you instead of Travion Williams. It's relative. There's some. There's other people there that are competing against you, and if they establish themselves, now you got to fit yourself. And we've talked about this before. 
It's making sure that you're honest with guys. And they say, well, how, are you, how do you think you're going to use me? Well, if you become one of our top two or three scorers, here's how I'm going to use you. But if you're not, like I don't run plays for our sixth man. I don't run plays for our third guy off the bench. I run plays for Zach Eady. I run plays for Braden Smith. You know, I ran plays for Sasha Stefanovic because he proved when he was open he could make it, and he proved when he was covered he didn't turn it over and he could get the ball where it needed to be. So sometimes you can run stuff for guys, and if they can score, great, and they're open. But if you run stuff and then they're not open, you know, are they going to do crazy stuff? Are they going to, you know, make bad passes, take bad shots? So it's that trust, and, and trust is a big piece of the basketball you know, equation, you know, can you, you know, can you be trusted to defend late in the game? Can you be trusted to execute a play late in the game? And, and that trust comes now when you start to get that trust and you build that and you play well, that's when you see guys really take off. Uh, the whole transfer thing, and I sound like an old fart saying this, but it's just like now there's no accountability. All right, I don't like this. I'm going to move here. I don't like that. I'm going to move there. And that's yeah. that's where we are right now. And I, I tell you, accountability is becoming increasingly more difficult to find when it comes to, yeah. to sports. Well, they, they grabbed a lot of variables to me that don't make sense. And, you know, you, you they want a lot of the, the same from this sport to that sport to that sport. And I think you have to do what's best for your sport, whatever, and um, – you got to understand, like in Division One, like ninety nine percent of them don't go to the NBA. You know, like you got to like just take a step back. And I understand that's your dream, you know, to go to the NBA. And nobody has taken that dream away, and you're allowing all this movement for what? Are we are, in the whole in the masses? Are we doing better for the student athletes from an education standpoint, and are we doing better for them from a basketball standpoint? And I think once those numbers start to collect here in three, four, five, six years, as we kind of get through some of this in a cycle, uh, I, I think we're going to see that those numbers aren't going to be the same. And, and, and that's, that's really sad because in leadership, you stand up to the powers to be and you do what's right for the student athletes. And I don't feel like that was done in this, in this part. And there's a lot of different arguments. Like they're trying to say all the sports can do it. Now all these kids should be able to do it. And you're like, well, like at the end of the day, we're not trying to have them have a great basketball career as much as we're trying to have them have a great life. And you've, you've taken basketball as a vehicle, no different than somebody going to the Army who got into trouble. You know, that was what used to happen a lot. You know, guys would get in trouble. They'd go before a judge. They'd say, well, here's the deal. You can do six months in the county here, or you can go to, you know, go to the Army and get your act and, and clean up. And it just it starts their life. But it's that discipline, right? It's that discipline of somebody holding them accountable yep. that now gives them the discipline. I always talk to our guys about it. The more discipline you have, the more fun you have. And just like that's basketball, you know, when you get discipline, you get freedom. If you don't have any discipline, you can't have any freedom as a player. It just doesn't work that way. And so there's a lot of things that get thrown around by a bunch of people that don't coach basketball and don't deal with guys. But at the end of the day, when somebody is one of your former players and then they struggle, you're there to help them. Like that's, that's, your, that's your role as a coach. Like you're there to help them when they're 30. You're there to help them when they're 40 when something goes on. But what about the kid that played at four schools in five years? He's been loyal to nobody. He's just hooped. That's great. You know, it's a pickup game. Go play at the Y then. You know, but this is life, man. We had a chance to, you know, lock him in, and he struggled, and now we battle through adversity. Because what's going to happen with these guys when they go out into life and they hit, hit adversity? You can't transfer in life all the time. You know, you, you got to be able to sit in and at some point and work through some adversity. And I, I, I just – I don't agree with it whatsoever. And I do like people that, that – 
you know, there are some times when you have to be able to transfer. There's a bunch of examples of positive transfers, but they said they were going to do a one-time transfer, and now they're letting people just go whenever they want, and they changed it, and it just I, – I just don't believe it's the right thing. It, you know what, too, and I, I for one, I, I would have probably made bad decisions, maybe, I guess, when I was younger, you know, given some of the chances these guys have. But at the same time, there's always something about looking back and – that gratification you get for being able to get through something, being able to charge through something, get through adversity, get through situations that you didn't think at the time was healthy or good for you, but you got through it. And, man, there is a high level when you get older of gratification for surviving and getting through something like that. No doubt. You know, you're facing it. You're always facing it. You know, that's just just the way it is, you know. The way to get through something is just to to keep facing it and, and keep battling it. And you don't like it. Nobody likes it. You know, you want to like you want to run for yep. the hills. <laughs> we, yeah. we all want to run for the hills, but at, at some point, like you know, when they go through this, it really helps them. It really helps them. They might not like you as a coach or whatever, but at the end of the day, that you hope that they respect you. But once they become in charge, or they get married, or they get the boss for the first time, some things start clicking. Like you know, I, I thought my old man was a fool until I was about thirty. Yeah. You know, I thought Gene Cady was a fool until about my third or fourth year of coaching. I started to realize like some of the things that he did was pretty intelligent. Like you just, you just don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Then once you start to go through life and you start to get into some grinders, you know, in a lot of different scenarios, you realize the people that came before you were just more or less trying to stop you from making the same mistake that they probably made at your age. Yeah, no doubt about that. Matt Painter's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I let you go, Davidson, the matchup you have in the inaugural Indy Classic at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on Saturday, what do you think? And I know, you know, you're watching a little bit of video right now on that team. What do you think about them? Right. Well, they, they're going to stretch you out a little bit. Like, they, they got some interior guys that can step out and shoot the basketball, obviously. Uh, Foster Laurie is a very good player, averages 20. Um, their center can go inside and outside. Menegas is a good player, averages about 16 points. So it's uh, Bob McKillop's son is now the head coach. Yeah. And so they have a lot of carry over there. They, they have an assistant that was there for a long time at left. That was a head coach that's back. So they have a lot of tradition. They have a lot of the same ways you know, before with Coach McKillop was there. And um, they're just a really good team. We played them in Charleston. They just have a really good program. And and how they defend with a team defense. And they run some really good stuff on the offensive end. So this is going to be a good challenge for us. Um, You know, we just got to stay connected and uh, and keep getting better. What, twice, I believe, right? Didn't you guys beat Curry once upon a time years ago? Yeah, yeah. They also, it kind of gets left out that, uh, Bob was really trying to schedule up, you know, with Steph Curry, yeah. and they were on a they were on a worldwide tour. Like, and we called him at the world at the end of their worldwide tour, and they also called us after you know Duke beat us pretty good here at Mackey Arena. So the human behavior of the game um, really helped us, and I think it really hurt them with how many people they had to play and how much they had to travel before they played us. Hey, one more quick thing before I let you go: How much? Besides the winning and the good fortune and the good fortune you made for yourselves in Portland, how much did those particular days and games do for your team and its growth? Well, I think just the confidence that it built. Like you go into it, you know, you're just, you know, you're ecstatic about beating West Virginia. You know, you don't know if you're going to beat West Virginia, and that was a tough game for us. And then being able to play Gonzaga and their tradition and their talent, and with a great coach, and same thing at Duke. You know, with all their talent and. You know, just yeah. it's, it's tough. And I, 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 we didn't really play that well offensively at times. 
Um, but I thought we played hard, and I thought defensively we made some strides while we were in Portland, and we stuck together, and we had different guys step up. But there's no doubt that that, that, that gave us some confidence. And, and now, you know, a lot of times when you fail and we haven't lost yet, you know, things get, you know, things get real pretty quick. Um, and, and we just haven't got to that point where we, we've had that loss. We almost had one. But just trying to get them to learn while we're still winning some games here. you you got to keep learning. you got to keep getting better. And, you know, winning will make you comfortable. It'll make you relax. And it's kind of a subconscious, you know, thought. And, and as a coach, you've really got to keep them on edge and stay with them while you're winning. You want to build off of it, but you also got – you're making mistakes. And I always talk about this. Now, you're doing good things when you lose. You know, and you're making mistakes when you win. Obviously, the extreme can get pushed a little bit, depending on how much you're winning by or how much you're losing by. But you got to keep that in perspective as a coach, and you know, just keep hammering on the positives, um, especially when you know you've lost maybe some close ones. But also, there's there's some negatives out there, and I thought there was a lot of negatives, especially at the end of that game, that we got to get better at. And um, you know, hopefully, we can do that here in practice this week getting ready for the game on Saturday. And the Sports Corp does a great job of putting together, again, the inaugural Indy Classic is going on at Gambridge Fieldhouse on Saturday, the Boilermakers and Davidson, I think Illinois State. And Michael Lewis, well, hanging around with the Ball State first-year head coach as well down there. So that should be one hell of a day of basketball. Matt Painter on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. It is always a pleasure. I kind of feel bad when I actually talk. I mean, we need, need you to talk the entire time. I feel like that I'm kind of I'm wasting time when I open my mouth here. So you're always really good to us. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it, man, more than you know. We'll do it again soon. All right, man. See you. Thank you. You got it. I'm Matt Painter on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Seriously, every time I open my mouth, I go, wow, I should just let him talk. Listen, let him go. (laughs) Why am I opening my mouth? Uh, That's awesome, though. It's uh, Matt Painter with us. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Twin Peaks, we are in Castleton today, 82nd and I-69. You can come out and join us if you'd like. We'd love to see you as well. we got two more days on the road, too. We're going to be at Tommy Sutton's place coming up tomorrow. That's Coach's Tavern, Larcity Bourbon Locks, and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. And we're going to open a brand-new place, at least on our schedule of Bud Light Blue Fridays. The Blue Chaparral is on the southeast side of Indianapolis will be there coming up on Friday for your chance to win Chargers Colts tickets courtesy of Bud Light. More of you and more of me on the other side, live from Twin Peaks on a Wednesday. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nowhere else to go. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We are at Twin Peaks in Castleton. Thank you for joining us. 82nd and I-69. You know, somebody asked me about Chalkies. I mentioned last night Jeanette Lee, the 30 for 30, uh, was on ESPN. It was outstanding. And I remember back in the day at a different radio station, we used to run into her all the time over at, at Chalkies because my, my – uh, my host, Mark Patrick, back in the day, did shows at Chalkies, and we would run in to her often, and she was awesome. Absolutely awesome. But that is a fantastic 30 for 30. If you missed it last night, um, you can check it out, or at least find it, check it out sometime, because it is really good. And for the better part of, I think, 10 or so years, 
Jeanette Lee lived uh, here in the Indy area, lived down in Mooresville. And people would see her, they'd go out in Camby on a Friday night to Applebee's, and she'd be in Applebee's. Jeanette Lee. JMV, do you like selling the naturally nude pajamas? I think if there is somebody that knows what you're looking for, somebody that knows what you need this holiday season, and somebody that can talk up naturally nude pajamas in the fashion in which I do to make it both sexy and interesting, nobody's better for that job than me right there. Seriously, sexy, interesting, both intrigued, Sexy, intrigued, interesting. It's exactly what you're looking for right there. I sound, seriously, I sound like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to naturally nude pajamas. Get that this holiday season. Throw in that 92. I'm, fellas, I'm here to help. I am. We all need that help. We all screw this time of year up majorly. So I am here to help you. Matt Painter was awesome. That podcast, 107.5. TheFan.com, as always, we are getting incredible reaction and response to Matt Painter being on the show. Awesome per usual. Jan V, um, you sounded quite a bit wiser during your talk with Matt Painter. Not as wise as him, but a great conversation. Yeah, I think I am getting older and wiser. I just think I sound older because I huffed way too much paint yesterday. I think that's it. Here's part of it. I can tell you this. And I don't know if this helps or not, but I was between huffing a lot of paint in the bathroom when I had the door closed, and I had, for the first time in five years, a little bit of sickness was trying to track me down. But I slept the hell out of that sickness a little bit earlier today because I went and got half a uh, pineapple and ate it. Is that good? Pineapple good for sickness? Is there vitamin C in pineapple? Is there B12 in pineapple? Does anybody know? Do we not have any doctors back here at Twin? I mean, come on, man. We got a bunch of kegs right here. We got B, got my man BK. We got Hatfield here. We got Landon. We got Zach, and nobody's a doctor to tell me. Kyle, does pineapple help you ward off what could be some sickness? It was trying. For the first time, I haven't been sick in five years, and it was trying today. But I think I battled it, and I think uh, all my uh, troops were assembled at the border. And I think I, uh, I think I'm getting rid of it. But does pineapple work? Do you know? It says here from a quick Google search that yeah. uh, oranges are better for you for if you're looking for that vitamin C. But pineapple satisfies nearly 88 oh, percent of yeah. the daily value. Look at this. I don't even need a doctor right here, man. And not only I ate like half a pineapple in the truck a little bit earlier. You know, one of those things where you get the, the chunks, not out of the can or anything, but you get it in the in the, uh, the plastic container. I sat out there, and people thought I was weird. They walked by, and they would watch me eat uh, pineapple. But no, I tried to battle, because I could tell there was something happening. Again, for the first time in five years, it was between the paint huffing and then some sickness trying to track me down. But I think I'm doing a good job of getting rid of that right now. Pineapple, everybody. This, hey, Kyle, look this up. Is there B12? In, like a mango in the Seinfeld episode where it moved for Costanza? Is there B12 in pineapple? Am I, am I no, getting the double zero, effect here? Zero None. grams of B12 right. in pineapple. So I've just got to count on my own high level of testosterone to get me by there is what you're saying. All right. Makes sense. All right. Mental note. No B12 in pineapple. 
But no, yeah, that was part of of me that uh, was battling a little bit this morning. And uh, I think I have decided, I think I've stiff-armed it pretty good today. And it's going around too. Kyle, I mean, you said that uh, Luca's trying to hand off a little sickness to you. You're trying to battle that off. This time of year, it just kind of seems like everybody's fighting off either a little bit of a cold or a little bit of a flu right now. So uh, between that and the pain huffing going on yesterday and pain in the bathroom, I think I'm making a, uh, an incredible comeback. Great response to it right there. And the smarts real good with the pineapple, right? This is smarts real good. I mean, between the pineapple and the ice cold Bud Light I have before me right there, there's no sickness that's going to grasp onto me longer than a couple of hours. I'm just going to send it packing. Hopefully you can do that too. No doctor's orders, right? Yeah, JMV orders right here is what we're doing with pineapple and ice cold Bud Light at Twin Peaks. Top of the hour, Bowen's going to join us. If you miss Matt Painter, podcast 107.5thefan.com. The latest on Steph Curry playing or not, he's listed as questionable. So tonight, going to be no Draymond Green. There's no Klay Thompson. And if you're wondering why, if you're going down to the Pacer Warrior game, it's because the Warriors played last night in Milwaukee. What well, kind of played? They didn't look like they played because they looked terrible for a lot of the time. And then they were a little, little keyed up last night, too, if you notice that. But Clay Thompson doesn't play in the second night of a back-to-back. Draymond Green not playing tonight. And as it was this afternoon, Steph Curry was listed as questionable. 6.30, your coverage begins coming up a little bit later on tonight. Hey, Kyle, I know I have to get a break. Does that mean we've got a little anything goes? 6 o'clock? that true? We'll have probably a few minutes here. We'll have to hit uh, that Colts daily update, though, too. Maybe a little anything goes. And your call's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. 239-1070. Live from Twin Peaks, northeast side. We are in Castleton on a Wednesday, where we're going to be tomorrow and then on Friday. And Kevin Bowen coming up at the top of the hour. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Welcome back to Twin Peaks, Northeast Side, Castleton. Thank you for joining us. Hey, by the way, later on this hour, Kyle, don't we have the opportunity for somebody to win Janet Jackson concert tickets? Correct? Janet Jackson and Ludacris. Quite the duo. Luda. I wonder where they came up with that. Do you ever see, which one was it, the... um, Which uh, Fast and Furious, was it number two? That Ludacris was in? Everybody's shaking their head now. Right? I've never seen any of those movies. Was it Tyrese and the late, great Paul Walker when they were in Miami? I think it was right. The Fast and Furious, was it two? Nice, man. Ludacris was in that. I watch that all the time. There's way too many people saying cuz and bro for me not to watch that. Are you drawn to that too when people say cuz and bro? Cuz, bro, bro, cuz. I, I, there's way too much of that going on for me not to watch it. But Ludacris will open up 
for Janet Jackson. We've got tickets for you. Do we know how we're going to do that? Are you just going to play a Janet Jackson song? Are you going to play something from Ludacris? From one of the two, yeah. Caller number nine after I play a re-entry song there will win. What's your favorite Ludacris song? That's in your wheelhouse, though, isn't it? Your age group? I was never really into Ludacris. I mean, he had some good features, but his own standalone songs, eh, not really for Move. me. Move. Get out the way. Get out the way. Want me to do that? That's, that's a fun song, but that's, I mean, that's not a good song. I mean, it's catchy. No, it's not a good song, yeah. No, it's not. I've seen, did you know, Janet Jackson in concert twice. Because you knew this. You knew growing up I was a part of Rhythm Nation. I was a part of Rhythm Nation growing up. I saw Janet Jackson in 89, I think. Those were the tickets that I purchased um, up here in Castleton behind the Kittles location by some sketchy dude in an old Maverick. And they actually got me in. But I saw the Rhythm Nation tour, and then I ended up going to, uh, what, that's the way, the Janet tour. Remember when her uh, boyfriend at the time was covering her thingies on the uh, album cover? I had to run right out and get that, by the way, too. But I went to that at the then Deer Creek Music Center, um, now Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. But this will be good. Not only this, but somebody's also got to hook me up because this is right up my alley. You've got me and Mike Wells, certainly, at the head of what is going to be an outstanding show at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I want to say that's coming up in March. Have you seen this? New edition, Keith Sweat, and uh, there's somebody else. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Guy. Teddy Riley and Guy. It's almost like that they created this concert and said, all right, so what would Mike Wells and JMV want? And that's what they created right there. So we got to do that at some point, too. But no, Janet Jackson tickets coming at you before the end of this show. We're live at Twin Peaks on this Wednesday on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Kevin Bowen in the morning show. Kevin and Query that weekday mornings from 7 until 10 a.m. joins us now. Are you in the age group that likes Ludacris? Were you a big Luda fan? You know, I um, I caught the end of the or tail end of the, your guys' conversation there. I agree with Kyle. I feel like it was more of Ludacris kind of collaborating with other people yeah. um, for songs. You know, I thought your rendition there of Move, and I won't say the word, was uh-huh. really impressive. So kudos to you on that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's a horrible song, but it, it is catchy. Uh, so I would tend to think that Ludacris combining with some other people is probably where I would go with that. So have you seen Too Fast and Too Furious with Ludacris yeah, as a part of it? Yeah, it, it was it was number two, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was in Miami. Yeah. And they all they do the entire time is call each other cuz. So we're talking Ludacris and Janet Jackson. Where, when and uh-huh. where is this? Oh, that's at the Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center, brother, coming up in May. That's a can't miss. Janet Jackson's awesome. I mean hey, awesome I in concert. That. Sounds like some potential Mother's Day tickets right there for my wife now that I think about that. Well, you should have seen me back in 1989 when they inducted me as a part of Rhythm Nation. You'd have loved it. I mean, I was all over it. I go to Market Square Arena, me, Rhythm Nation, Chucky Booker, Keith Sweat, Janet Jackson. It was a glorious moment in my history. Kevin, are you still there? You're just waiting on me to move on here. Sounds like Kev is gone right there. 
I don't hear him. Oh, the phones just died. I knew it couldn't be on our end. So I set Kev up with this wonderful lead in and uh, the phone just died. So let me have Kyle get Kevin Bowen back on here. All that conversation about Janet Jackson and, and Ludacris. By the way, we'll give you a chance to win those tickets coming up before the end of the show. We're going to do something from Control, something from Janet, th- something from Rhythm Nation, all good stuff. Velvet Rope, I think, is another album that she had in the 90s. And Ludacris. And Kevin Bowen will rejoin us coming up in just a second. If you missed it a little bit earlier, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, was with us. And we also... Had one Matt Painter on, who was fantastic in the 4 o'clock hour. A lot about his team. Of course, you got the uh, inaugural Indy Classic, which features Purdue and Davidson in one game, and the other will be Illinois State and Ball State coming up on Saturday. And we talked about that matchup with Davidson, uh, but certainly talked about his team being number one in the nation, dealing with that because, again, a year ago, it was incredibly short-lived. It was like, hey, Purdue's number one. And then Ron Harper Jr. knocks down a half-court shot, and basically they were going down a path to no longer being number one. It was like a second. Boom, over. So dealing with that with a team that honestly thought that they could be that, but at the same time, not a lot of other people did at the start of the season. But it was really good stuff. And not only that, but just college basketball in general. With Matt a little bit earlier, that podcast 1075thefan.com. Tomorrow's show, too, we're going to be live downtown with Tom Sutton, me, Brent Halverson, and Tommy S. from Coach's Tavern in what should be a fantastic time. Our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Zool Tequila Shots. That's uh, coming at you tomorrow. Brent Halverson rejoins. I think it's been a couple of weeks since we've actually been together. And then, because uh, we didn't do a bye week last week, the week prior, Brent, wasn't a part of it because he was on the road. So we're going to get back with our Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna's Old Tequila Shots. And then at the Blue Shepherd Rail on the southeast side off of Southeastern Avenue, that's a Bud Light Blue Friday coming up on Friday. Chargers and Colts tickets coming up for you as well. Are the phones down back there, Kyle? Yeah, our whole phone system is down right now. So uh, What? I've got something out to engineering. Hopefully they can come up here and get them fixed. The phone system is down. So let's act like to Kevin that that's Kevin's fault, too. We'll do that when he comes back. Thanks for screwing this entire thing up. The phone system is down. Anyway, we'll get Kev back on whenever the phone system is in operational order coming up once again, too. Also, hey, tonight, the Warriors and the Pacers downtown Gambridge Fieldhouse. I'm sure a lot of you are going down to that. Hopefully, you guys see Steph Curry. I have not heard as of yet, but he was questionable. No Clay Thompson tonight. No Draymond Green tonight. If you watch Golden State, they played the first of a back-to-back uh, last night in Milwaukee. Did not look good. Milwaukee was all over him. But Clay Thompson does not play in a back-to-back. Evidently, Draymond Green is not playing tonight. And Steph Curry, Curry was a question mark. And you don't have to go back too far, by the way, too, where the Pacers on the road. That was that 31-point performance from Andrew Nimhart. Going back to that road game out at Golden State in San Francisco the week before last. So get Golden State in town coming up later on tonight. And we shall see where that goes. See if Steph Curry is participating. And it'd be nice 
I don't know what you're feeling about this. Like, I'm not surprised that the Pacers are going through disappointing losses. Miami's not that disappointing other than the fact if Halliburton could have given them anything offensively, you think that game was probably going to be different. Because they did, they had some decent moments, but you had to have more from somebody that you count on from Tyrese Halliburton. That didn't work out, but it was the Brooklyn game that's the bummer because Brooklyn basically was without their top seven and still got a road win inside Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And this was something that we had talked about the entirety of the time leading up to this. They were not, before they embarked on that seven-game Western road swing, they were not that type of team. They were not as good as what we had seen. And then you couple that with teams now getting more loaded up for them, that advanced scouting catches up with you in a minute in the NBA. And it certainly did with them, which is problematic. So this team is a lot of what we thought it was going to be, but it is better. And they do entertain. In that loss in Brooklyn, they were still entertaining. You just thought, man, you got to be kidding me. You're losing to this bunch at home. And then Miami. Miami's just a good team. Jimmy Butler was back. He's tough to deal with. My man gets every single call out there. And uh, you had a little bit too much of Butler down the stretch, and that was that. But this Pacer team is not as good as what, before they left for that Western road swing, as good as what they were then. But they're still much better than what we thought, and they're infinitely more entertaining than they have been in a long time. I'm not going to sit here and tell you to be entertained by losses, or you should be entertained by losses. That is kind of a losing mentality. But that's, that's what they gave you past couple of games they kind of made up for the surprising start they were off to with a couple of clunkers and certainly one at the hands of the Brooklyn Nets over the weekend Kevin Bowen of the morning show back with us via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline so what are you doing screwing up the show now what happened well that was the Janet Jackson and ludicrous comments or what there but all of a sudden I was just talking to the wall that was really awkward for about did you how long did you talk before you realized I was no longer there well, you know, usually you can kind of hear the ambient noise you have in the background. I thought, you know, maybe they just muted John. Muted John. Maybe he had a, I don't know, fart or something. But uh, So I got about 15, 20 seconds in, and then I'm like, oh, man, I'm gone. Did you ask if I – you thought maybe I farted? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and I know you don't – you know, you aren't a big road road game guy, so I'm sure you probably did a nice job of, of, of not going down that path. But I don't know. I thought yeah. maybe Kyle muted you for a second there, so well, I, I, I wasn't totally sure. I, I am sitting on a cushioned chair, so you probably wouldn't hear it. Now, if I were sitting in a wooden chair here, you would definitely hear that. But I was sitting in the cushioned chair, so I think all was, all was good. Well, I, I think I only talked about 10 seconds before I realized – that you were gone, and that's good. But I did start getting in on the Pacers, and, and I think what we realized, Kev, that there are a lot of characteristics about this team that we knew we were going to see. It is still, mind you, much better than what a lot of us, especially me, thought it was going to look like. But a lot of that advanced scouting, you know, a lot of the better teams, a lot of that schedule early on prior to that Western road swing, you can kind of see that catching up with them a little bit right now, can't you? Certainly. Yeah, certainly. At, at the same you know, time, you know, 14 and 14, I, I don't think really 
many people, if any, thought this would be um, how they would start. Um, yeah, I think what's been disappointing, particularly in some of these losses, particularly out west, is I just thought they got thoroughly outplayed. They weren't as you know competitive as Monday night was, and Monday wasn't yeah. a great start with Miami at all. But you obviously got back in the game, took the lead in the third quarter. You didn't really feel that in many of those games out west. Um, but Rick Carlisle, I thought, has been very honest and upfront about the schedule breaks the Pacers got early on, knowing that, you know, they were catching some teams off guard and some teams were probably looking at the Pacers as an opponent saying, oh, here's an opportunity to rest a guy or, you know, here's an opportunity maybe to kind of steal one. Um, and credit to the Pacers for being, you know, extremely locked in early in the season and get miles back after missing that first week was huge. And, you know, they rattled off all those wins early on. So, you know, I, I never felt like even early, early, like, oh, yeah, it's a team that's going to host a playoff series or anything like that. You know, you knew water was going to find its level eventually. And at the same point, you know, if and when you do make trades around the trade deadline, it's probably going to take another step back. Um, so I think all in all, you have to be encouraged by what you've seen because there have been good stretches of basketball. The young guys, several of them continue to impress, some probably more than we thought originally. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of fans realize the big picture is the most important thing. And with Boston and Cleveland, those two draft picks are getting next year, looking like they're going to be very late in the first round. Making sure that your pick is in the lottery is still really, really important. And I think at the end of the day, that's where the Pacers will be. Yeah, and and we'll see. I mean, this is a, a matchup that we'll see if Curry ends up playing tonight. But there's no Draymond Green. There's no Clay Thompson. Um, and this is the same team where Nemhard had 31, and the Pacers beat them in San Francisco. By the way, I guess Draymond Green is playing. Take that back. Draymond Green is playing tonight. So we haven't heard word on Steph Curry, but Draymond Green is playing tonight. Clay Thompson is not playing tonight. A part of that load management from the multitude of injuries he's dealt with the past uh, couple, three years. But no Clay Thompson. Draymond Green is playing coming up later on tonight. I, I think I heard a, a promo that had Rick Carlisle talking to you and Jake about Tyrese Halliburton and the whole plus minus compared to the one point offensive effort on Monday night. How much of the plus minus stuff do you buy? Yeah, I'm not like, I don't think it's gospel by any means. I, I, I kind of like to look at the eye test and think to myself, you know, man, I feel like the Pacers have been really, or, you know, insert basketball team here. They've been really good at that guy on the floor tonight. And then you, you know, kind of go to the box score to see if that's confirmed. But I mean, there's certainly times where, you know, guys can play very well individually and not have a great plus minus. So again, I don't, Rick was very adamant about that the other night in that, you know, he felt like it was an indication of what Tyrese was doing, which was interesting because it's not like he had a huge assist number either on Monday night. It's not like he didn't make a single shot and then had 12 assists. I want to say it was like right around six or seven for him on Monday. I just think bigger picture with Halliburton this year, John, is, and I get it, Miami has such great personnel to be able to do what they did on Monday, switch everybody, Bam Adebayo, of course, being one of the more you know, special big guys really in the league and his ability to defend one through five. And again, not every team has that personnel, but every team's going to realize Halliburton is the head of the snake and his ability to not only distribute, but score at a really high level um, is what is the Pacers catalyst. Um, so I do think whether it was, you know, Jaden McDaniels last week with his length for Minnesota, or again, what you saw on Monday night, 
I think you'll continue to see that. Like if the Pacers, if Golden State was fully healthy tonight, I would assume Andrew Wiggins would be on Tyrese Halliburton, just knowing that he initiates and starts everything. So I think that is another aspect of the season that now that you're 20 games into it, you know, a bit of a blueprint has been there. I think Halliburton is still a really, really good player and can find other ways to impact the game like he did on Monday. But I just think the defensive attempt continue to be there. Well, I mean, and they just needed his offense. I mean, any offense whatsoever. And, and they probably have a really good chance if he gives them anything at all offensively to win that game. And if you watched it down the stretch, the reason why they lost was the playmaking ability down the stretch of Jimmy Butler. I mean, that was it. I mean, he was he was way too much offensively for them defensively. But they would have been right there if not winning that game had Halliburton given them anything. And I, I think that's a Rick Carlisle way of kind of cushioning the blow for somebody that really cares about their night-to-night games as he does and knowing that at home that that was a far from a offensive guard. Yeah, and, and, you know, obviously Butler took over late. You just can't continue to get off to these bad starts. It just puts so much right. pressure on you throughout the game, and you expend, I think, so much energy getting back into that game that sometimes when you get tied or you, 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 you take your first lead, you naturally have a level of let-up or complacency of like, hey, look, we finally did it. All, all's good in the world. And then that's when, you know, Miami on Monday was able to kind of hit you with that counterpunch. Obviously, Butler has been used to that. You know, he's a guy that makes those plays late. But when you dig yourself, you know, 15-point holes in the first half on a routine basis, it's just not a recipe for any sort of success. I mean, the Colts feel that, you know, from a game-in, game-out standpoint with how poor their starts have been throughout this season. I get in the NBA, it's a little bit easier to make those runs, and you've got different units that go in and out, and that helps. But um, as much as the late game minutes get all the attention, and I understand why they do, again, the Pacers have got to find out ways to get off the better starts. So, Kevin Bowen, morning show. Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. weekday mornings here on The Fan. Kev's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, I, I want to move over to the Colts and a couple of things. Jeff Saturday, you guys were asking him about, you know, does he want to be the coach? Does he want to be involved? And clearly, clearly he still does, at least if you take him at his word. I think we both agree that Jim Irsay really wants him to be the coach. When it's said and done, though, in the court of public opinion out there of Colts fans, did Jim Irsay do Jeff Saturday and selling it to the fans here a complete disservice and botch it by bringing him on board when he did, knowing that anybody that was coaching this team was going to have a similar outcome to this point of the season? Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. Um, and, of course, you know, I think Jim Mercer is a very hopeless romantic and thought that <laughs> Joe Saturday was going to get it turned around and that they would have some sort of success. I mean, I can relay what he said to Mike Chappell and Bob Kravitz in those 24-hour uh, period after that Monday night press conference, you know, about a month and a half ago. He was pretty adamant of, no, we can go 9-7-1 and one, and we can get in. And I, I believe in this personnel. And, you know, lo and behold, that's not going to happen. So um, selling that to your fan base at the end of the year, again, that's going to be a huge, huge question mark that you have. Um, and I'm going off of, you know, again, Ursay's comments about um, what he thought the final eight games could be. And I think at some point, certainly personnel is a big, big issue. And I 
of attention with how you evaluate Chris Ballard, but you also point to some Jeff Saturday stuff, and it's a bit of a head-scratcher with some of these kind of in-game things and game management and, you know, the, the usage of Jelani Woods the other night against Dallas and, you know, not talking to Matt Ryan about his injury situation when clearly if you watch him now versus early in the year, something is wrong, something is different from what he was doing. Um, they, yes, they've gotten off to better starts, and I think the offensive line play has gone from horrific to not great but not horrific. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still an offense that can't score, and it's still a team that really, really struggles, especially late in games. So uh, that's going to be something that at the end of the year, Ursay's going to operate how Ursay wants to operate, of course. Uh, but that record, man, considering what Jim said, if it's two and six or something along those lines, that's going to be a tough, tough sell. And that's my point was this. If you really wanted to, to have him embraced, because this is still going to be kind of a wild-ass idea anyway, but if you start the off season and go in that direction and then give him a clean slate instead of now really muddying up the water with him, because I think if you ask most Colts fans out there, maybe I'm wrong about this, but if you ask most Colts fans right now, Kev, they would suggest that he's not been great and he should not be the head coach in the future. Thus, I think you've done him a complete disservice in throwing him out there with this team when you did. Yeah, and, you know, some might argue if you would have done it, you know, if you would have just, what, Bubba Ventrone is the interim and then hired Jeff Saturday at the end of the season, uh, and, and he would have been, you know, obviously on a much, much longer leash and would have been the guy for multiple years, that would have been, you know, a, not the path to go down. And maybe you're, I don't know, finding out a bit of a quicker answer on Saturday. I just don't feel like these two months you can justify it with, like, concrete, yes, great coach, horrible coach, whatever, because to your point, it was such an awful situation to be thrown into. It's not like yeah. you had a bye week any time quickly. You had to go a month into Saturday's tenure before you got to that first bye week. Again, the quarterback situation was very awkward. Um, I think as a football team, you know, personnel, again, there were a lot bigger questions that I think Jim Mersey wanted to admit and, and maybe wants to admit about his football team. So uh, when they get to the end of the year, they have got to got to exhaust the interview process, look at anybody and everybody. Obviously, there's going to be more coaching openings that happen, you know, when we get to mid-December every year. I feel like it looks like there's not a lot and there ends up being a decent amount. Um, if you look at it right now, I don't know if we'll get over like five, maybe. I mean, right now we got two in Indian Carolina. You'll see about Arizona and Denver and, you know, maybe the Chargers. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few others. But, you know, if it stays five or less, I mean, the Colts should have a nice pick. Of course, the question becomes is how enticing is this job to people and how do they look at the quarterback situation and do they look at the owner at all? And does that cause any reservations for people um, if they feel like their resume, you know, has proven themselves enough to where they can be a little bit choosy with this process. We allowed to recognize with just the tremendous backpedaling that Tennessee is involved in right now, just how much worse it makes this Colts season, considering what they're trying to do to apparently give that division to anybody, anybody that seemingly would want it right now, anybody that's competitive enough to want it right now. Doesn't it make the situation that much worse? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was one of the thoughts I had on Sunday. You know, as good of Sunday um, 
as good of a Sunday as it was for the Colts with, you know, Seattle losing um, to Carolina and, and what you had with Jacksonville beating Tennessee to help you in draft position. Um, I also felt like it was a bit salt in the wounds in that you watch Tennessee now losers of three straight. They fire their GM. They've lost their last two by a combined 39 points. The division, again, is sitting there on a platter. And I don't think anyone thought throughout the year Tennessee was even going to sniff the number one seed that they had last year because these injuries to Harold Landry and Taylor Lewan from early in the year, big, big injuries to important players, obviously the trade of A.J. Brown, it would eventually catch up to them. And, you know, they feasted on the AFC South early on, feasted on the Colts, uh, you know, amongst that start. And now you're starting to see um, some slip up here. And it's the only division in the AFC that the Colts are in. If they're in any of the other divisions, they already be officially eliminated from the playoffs. And yet, you know, you aren't really in a serious position to threaten them over the final four weeks of the year. And I think that's just what adds to how big of a disappointment it is. You know, something I said, earlier in the week, John, of if you're going to be bad and the Colts are bad this year, you want to be bad and be young at quarterback. You want to have those growing pains of, oh, you know, it's Peyton Manning's first year and 3-13 and is okay. Or I think in a way, you know, Chicago kind of feels that with Justin Fields right now. Yeah, it's a disappointing record, but we feel like we've got the guy at quarterback. You don't feel that here in Indy. Your record's awful and your quarterback situation – is murky at best and doesn't have an obvious and clear path moving forward. And I think that's what makes the season one of the most disappointing this franchise has had in multiple decades of not only was the division sitting there for you, but also you look at your own record, you look at the future of the most important position in sports. And when those two are not matching up, that just adds to the sting of this year. You allowed to be really disappointed. And what took place in Vegas for IU on Saturday? Um, I think a little bit, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was another reminder of what Jalen hood Shafino I think, means um, to this basketball team. Um, I think where you're disappointed is your big guys that have started for you for so many years got outplayed. And when a Big Ten team plays a Pac-12 team, that, that, that shouldn't happen. I mean, you're, you're All-American and a guy in Race Thompson who started or even – Malik Renew, if you want to throw him into the mix, you know, they should be able to, um, I think, handle or, you know, play up to par with an Arizona front court that, you know, has a first-year starter in Balo, and then the Cervellis kid was kind of a, you know, secondary, third, maybe not even that type of option for them last season. So I think that's where your disappointment was is I, I saw an Indiana team that, you know, maybe a little bit caught up in the moment of playing in that atmosphere where they're the team returning all those starters. Arizona has several new starters in that lineup. They lost the lottery pick in Matherin, another draft pick in Dalton Terry, and yet they seem much more comfortable early on in that environment. And, again, your big guys got outplayed. So I think that's where the disappointment is. Certainly, but Shafino not being in the lineup, big, big loss. Um, we'll see about his availability for Saturday. Because I do think Saturday's big just to kind of – firm up a little bit of this non-conference resume because North Carolina, I don't think it's going to look like the sort of win that you were hoping for uh, when the schedule came out or obviously when you got that win a couple weeks back. I think at Xavier still going to be a nice win, but with already dropping one in the Big Ten, I, I think you would you would love to get this one on Saturday because that's going to look great, assuming Kansas continues to have the year that, that they're expecting. And this is a Kansas team that you know doesn't isn't very deep. I don't think they have the front court size that Arizona has. 
Um, so this is a, I think it's kind of a big one just to firm up that resume and, um, you know, show a little bit of resolve from what you had in Vegas, which, um, yeah, you came back in that game, but I thought the start was so poor that, that that's what the disappointment was for me. I uh, said this before the Arizona game. I just wanted to see them split. I mean, it'd be great if you got greedy and, and you won them both, but I, I really wanted to see IU split. And all along, I guess, because you go from a, a neutral setting in Vegas to now Allen Fieldhouse, it's going to be much more difficult now to get that with this Kansas team. So I, I guess maybe that also factored in with the disappointment of watching IU and, and IU getting down early. I know they fought their way back, and that's great. But, you know, early on, they just looked absolutely outclassed. And, and hopefully they don't get off to that slow start in Lawrence coming up on Saturday because I don't know if it would be so easy to come back in that environment. Yeah, you know, it's maybe a bit unfair because Trace has carried this team for such long stretches throughout his four years down there. But I, I would have liked for your All-American to, to play like that in that sort of environment. Again, I just felt like it looked like an Indiana team a little bit caught up in, in Vegas, frankly. Um, and I thought Arizona looked like a team that was locked in, you know, from the opening first couple of possessions that carried throughout the first half. And, you know, similar to what we've been talking about with the, with the Pacers, when you dig yourself that type of hole, you expend so much injury getting back into it. Um, sometimes you're not able to continue that over the course of 40 minutes. So to your point, John, you know, I felt like, the, the, the four non-conference games at Xavier, home to Carolina, uh, Arizona neutral floor, and at Kansas. If you could go two and two, uh, you, you would take that. It, it does look like the two wins you've gotten maybe, though, aren't as, you know, aren't as nice on the resume as obviously what Purdue has gotten, you know, out in, in, in Portland with, with getting the quad one wins, getting them away from home. Certainly Indiana still has another chance at it. Uh, but dropping the Rutgers game. You know, a little bit more is at stake for that. Obviously, it's not a team that you're going to be debating a resume come March on the bubble. But when you talk about kind of seed lines and things like that and avoiding, you know, 5-12, something along those lines, that's where some of this stuff can come into play. It's Kevin Bowen with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What do you guys got working in the morning? So we've got, um, I think we got Fad Model Friday, actually. I need to double back and look at the schedule. Butler, obviously, with a huge one with UConn coming into their building. So we got Fad Model on Friday, tomorrow. Uh, Ross Tucker is going to join us, um, NFL analyst. He's, a, he's got the ra- national radio call uh, for the game on Saturday, Colton Vikings. So we'll talk to Ross Tucker, get a little bit of a national look at things uh, for Indy. And obviously, recapping this one and scrolling through the old Twitter timeline. It sounds like Steph Curry is going to give it a go tonight. Yep. That's what I just saw too. So we shall see what happens. Kev, I appreciate it. Thanks for hanging in there. Yep. Thanks, John. Kevin Bowen, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, Twin Peaks, Northeast Side. Great food, ice cold beer, all these TVs. If you want to watch the Warriors and the Pacers tonight with Steph Curry playing, you certainly can here. College action that's on. There's a ton going on here. And great food made from scratch. Ice cold beer for you as well. Our location is tomorrow and then on Friday. And your chance at Janet Jackson tickets. That and more coming up. Don't leave. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
The Ride with JMV. Coming up, our conversation. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. That is not Janet Jackson right there. Rob Sabatini tells me that that Janet Jackson show is on Carb Day, but it's not the Carb Day show. It's actually a Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. It's just on, um, for lack of a better description, Carb Day Night. Right, I think? Carb Day Night? Is that what it is? Is that a Friday night, I think? In late May, Janet Jackson, and the opener would be ludicrous. Your ticket's coming up uh, a little bit before the end of the show. I will tell you this, as we're live from Twin Peaks and Castleton today, that we got a little bit of time coming up after 6, and we haven't done it in a while. We can uh, maybe take some calls, do a little anything goes if you want to, coming up at the top of the hour. So 6 o'clock, maybe about 5 minutes or so to work on that clock. With a little raise, trash, anything goes. If you guys are interested, uh, we can do that at 239-1070 coming up at the top of the hour. You trying to spell something out there on the air for me right there? Yeah, I know. Famous last words right there, brother. Famous last words. Now, good show today. Really enjoyed it. Always enjoy the time here at Twin Peaks and what we do. Uh, every single time we're here, it's fantastic. Sitting here in the, uh, the lobby area with the fire. My man Billy's over there, been trying not to nod off and go to sleep over there with that fire. But the great food and the ice-cold beer is what they have for you right now, plus all the sports. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you got Steph Curry tonight. Steph Curry will play for the Warriors. The Warriors and the Pacers coming up tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, 6.30. Your coverage begins right here. That tip time is at 7 o'clock. Early on the show, Matt Taylor joined us, the voice of the Colts. Colts. And Minnesota coming up on Saturday, 10 a.m. That is the Colts pregame huddle with me, Bill Brooks, the Gorman, and more coming at you. And uh, we want to wish our good friend Rick Venturi evidently not feeling great right now. So he's going to sit this one out coming up on Saturday in Minneapolis. And it's going to be Matt Taylor and Joe Wrights in the radio broadcast booth for you. And Lara Overton on the sideline. So I know that he's probably listening right now because he listens often. And I truly appreciate that. Rick, we're thinking about you, buddy. Get better and get better and back in that booth in a big hurry. But 10 a.m. coming up on Saturday morning for that Saturday special 1 o'clock start with the Vikings hosting the Colts. Again, that's coming up on Saturday. Tomorrow's show is going to be live. We're going to be downtown Coaches Tavern, Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. That's coming up tomorrow. And then on Friday, it'll be a first-timer. A first-timer at the Blue Chaparral. If you have ever been there, if you remember that place, Southeastern Avenue on a Bud Light Blue Friday at the Blue Chaparral. We've got Chargers and Colts tickets to give away for you as well. All right. Also, a little bit earlier today, Matt Painter joined us, the uh, – Head coach of the Boilermakers, that podcast is up there at 1075thefan.com. I mean, across the board about his basketball team, their start, the number one ranking, what he likes about it, things they need to improve upon, and just the state of college basketball in described like nobody else can do. And one of the better interviews we have each and every time he's on, Boilermaker head coach, Matt Painter, 1075thefan.com. Remember, Purdue and Davidson, that is a part of the inaugural Indy Classic coming up on Saturday. The other side of that features Illinois State and Ball State, again, coming up on Saturday 
at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Maybe a little anything goes coming up at the top of the hour, and maybe some Janet Jackson tickets. I think you can win them before you can buy them in this case as well. That and more coming up. It's a Wednesday, live at Twin Peaks, northeast side, 93.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Sounds like little Janet Jackson right here. There's a specific reason why you're doing some Janet Jackson right here, right, Kyle? Just a good song, right? The song is actually, I think, trending on TikTok. It's trending on TikTok right now, huh? Janet Jackson is coming to Indianapolis. I'm looking at the exact date. I believe that is the 26th. Correct. Make sure I get that right. Janet Jackson and Ludacris. Indeed, that's Friday the 26th. I think our guy Rob Sabatini was right. I believe that that is the evening of Carb Day right there. So we can all go hang as we normally do in Pagoda Plaza. And then go up and check out Janet Jackson and Ludacris. Number nine at 239-1070 is going to go because we like you. Rest of the week, we have tickets for you. Um, I'm, I'm trying to see when tickets are going on sale, Kyle. If you have the info for me, let me know here. But um, I can tell you by experience, twice, back in the late 80s and uh, back in the um, uh, 93, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood. I think I saw her in 89 at MSA and then at 93 at what is now Ruoff. Then it was Deer Creek Music Center. Good old time right there. It is. And you will enjoy that, I promise you. You know, this is kind of interesting, too. Dolphins and the Bills. How much snow was on the ground in Buffalo? Because they've already had, what, three weeks ago, they had a major snowstorm where they had to move their home game from Buffalo to Detroit. That was the Browns and the Bills. And they got about 20-plus inches of snow there, and now they're having another major winter storm. I'm telling you, I, I've never been there. Um, I cannot imagine dealing with that. Like, what we're going to get this winter is going to drive me nuts the way that it is. But it just seems like it is one after the other up there. Dolphins and the Bills, and that's going to be an interesting one for the Dolphins, but they are getting set for what is surely going to be some rough playing conditions up there, to say the least. That's like the second time around in a month. Like every month, do they get like 22 inches of snow dropped on them? Can you imagine? That's going to be a tough one right there. Really tough. I know, you guys, we haven't talked about Brock Purdy. We will a little bit later on, what he has done in, in San Francisco. San Francisco just looks like they're loaded up and ready to go right now. I mean, nothing spectacular from him. They're going to get Debo Samuel back. They've got a defense that's as good as anybody's right now. now that's one, one team that's worthy of watching for real. 
But the Brock Purdy story, Mr. Irrelevant, is a fantastic one. And if you miss this, the Vegas odds right now, the Vegas odds would suggest that if there's a team out there that has the best odds to get Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers is dealt, Vegas puts the Colts at the top. There is zero way. No way. Not only did you have that, but then I think you had somebody had sent me something where Colin Cowherd had mentioned that Sam Darnold would be a good spot for the Colts. What are we, what? You're going to go through all this for Sam Darnold? There's no way they're going to do anything with Aaron Rodgers. No way. He decided there's zero way. To me, anything outside of getting this team in a spot to where they can scout out a quarterback, find one that they like, and then move forward would be the best. I know what we're talking about, too. This is not going to be a quick change by any stretch. Anybody else imagine? Again, according to Vegas odds, Aaron Rodgers, that makes zero sense. Sam Darnold is ridiculous, but that's coming from a national talk show host. That sounds ridiculous. And we've been down this path enough now that I think everybody's kind of worn out on it. And there are going to be more because you're going to find out what the Raiders are going to do. And then there all of a sudden Derek Carr is going to be available. There are going to be more dropped in. But to me, that stuff makes zero sense. Now, granted, if you don't lose enough here down the stretch, which we expect the Colts to do, but if you don't lose enough down the stretch, you know, you may hijack the opportunity to get that type of quarterback whether it was, you know, Levis or Stroud or whomever. I think Levis and Stroud are the guys that many believe could be available depending upon how this goes. And you know, Bryce Young is going to be taken off the board first. But Aaron Rodgers, according to Vegas, Sam Darnold, I don't think anybody around here would be willing to want to see that whole thing get fired up again, I would doubt. Quick break, and we'll come back. I mentioned we have time for you. Other side, a little extra time at 239-1070. Dial us up. Put you on the air. We'll talk about some stuff coming up next. 239-1070, live from Twin Peaks. It's a Wednesday, 93.5107 by the fam. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.